0: Hey everyone, welcome to the 41 Strong Podcast. My name is Chuck Tate. Great to have you watching and listening today. 41 Strong is a podcast that delivers encouraging scriptures and stories to help people like you hold on and stand strong. And speaking of holding on and standing strong, my guest today has done just that. Today is episode 99 and my guest is Jess Ronnie. She's the author of Sunlight Burning at Midnight. She's been featured on NBC's Today Show, among others, and I am honored to have her on the podcast today. So you're going to see me. You're going to hear her. Jess, welcome to 41 Strong. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, well, thank you so much for taking the time to, to hang out and we appreciate, um, man. Sometimes technology works, sometimes it doesn't. But here we are. It right is. We, we found out this morning. <laughs> well, we got you now. We can hear you, and um, I'm excited for people to hear your story because um, I read your memoir. Like I just mentioned, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and, and show this, book for everybody that's that's watching live, and um, again, it's it's called sunlight burning at midnight it is a memoir the story of Jess Ronnie and um, I tell you I couldn't I couldn't put it down um, it, it's I, a few words to describe it for me was um, it, it's it's brutal but it's it, it's beautiful it's heartbreaking but it's it's hopeful it's really triumphant and uh, I'm so glad that we get to share it we get to un- unpack it um, just um, yeah, so thank you, Jess. And and you're a mom of of, of eight kids.
1: I am. I have eight children. Uh, we live in the middle of nowhere, which contributed to the uh, internet difficulties this morning. And um, yeah, just living and enjoying life. And kids are back in school, so
0: life's <laughs> a little bit easier now. <laughs> mine go back. The mine don't go back until the twentieth. So um, so yeah. You, I mean, when, with with eight children, I'm sure that. Um, things might be a little bit easier for you now that school's begun again, right? Things
1: are easier. Yeah, most people love summer break. Um, It's it's not my favorite time of year. Um, I love the day the kids go back to school. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm extremely introverted. Having eight children in my space all summer long is is intense. I love them dearly, but it's a lot. Um, So... So life is good again. Yeah, it's peaceful and calm, and I will enjoy seeing their beautiful faces at 4 o'clock today.
0: <laughs> All right, well, <laughs> my wife and I have a tradition. Um, every first day of school, we've done this now for several years, we drop our kids off and we go straight to Starbucks and do a Starbucks (laughs) smiling selfie. If we had a Starbucks, we would do
1: that. (laughs) We
0: don't. So you are in rural Tennessee, in the Tennessee hills, correct?
1: Um, Yes. Yes, about two hours from Memphis and two hours from Nashville. About an hour and a half from any major urban anything.
0: Wow. Wow, good deal. Well, um, I'm sure that... With with eight children and living in the hills, we probably could spend the podcast talking about um, life hacks for moms, right?
1: We probably could. Yeah, there's probably a few on my blog somewhere, but the blog has has been neglected for a while. (laughs) Well, why don't we begin? Why
0: don't you just kind of take us through your story and um, we'll talk about it, unpack some of the things. And um, I know a lot of people are going to be blessed today and encouraged, inspired by what you have to share. So I'm just going to turn you loose.
1: Oh, thank you. Um, Start from the very beginning. Like, um, I was the oldest of 12 children, um, which kind of comes into play now being the mom of eight. Yeah. always knew what he was doing there. Um, I married my college sweetheart, Jason, in 2000. Um, We just lived a simple little life. He was a personal trainer and a tennis professional. And I had just gotten my teaching degree, and um, we had our first child in 2002, a little boy, Caleb. And we were excited to add to our family. Uh, We started building a house, and he um, pursued his dream of opening a fitness center. And we were excited to find out we were pregnant very quickly. And that pregnancy was going along just fine until my 20-week ultrasound appointment when I went in and Jason had stayed home with Caleb. Uh, we didn't have another babysitter and we just thought everything was gonna be fine. We weren't anticipating any problems. Went in for that ultrasound appointment and was told that my baby was going to die. Um, he had severe, he or she, we didn't know at the time, had severe hydrocephalus. Um His head was pretty large at that point, even at 20 weeks. And um, the doctor suggested that we terminate that pregnancy and try again. And I left that day shaking, got into the elevator, pulled over on the side of the road, found a pay phone. We didn't have cell phones yet at that point. Um, Called Jason, shaking and through tears, explained to him what had just happened. He said, are you okay to drive home? I said, I think so. And I proceeded to go home, Uh, walked into our apartment um, to find him on his knees, praying for me and praying for our unborn child. Uh, so that began a uh, four month, five month, I don't remember, process of um, figuring out what my faith was really made of. Mm. Um, I journaled through that whole period, um, oftentimes bargaining with God. I was willing to accept physical uh, disabilities, but I didn't want any mental disabilities, and just trying to figure out what healing really looked like for my child. Um and so we decided to keep that pregnancy, and we had a scheduled C section on August 12, uh, 2004. Sorry, I'm trying to think of my dates here. And uh, Jason and I prayed the night before, um, just prayed for peace. We were shocked, the doctors were shocked that this child had made it up until this point, even. Um, and we walked into that hospital room holding hands, and I um, got prepped for surgery because at this point his head was about the size of a two-year-old's head. So it was a, it was a C-section. It had to be. And they split me open from one side to the next and took my baby out. And he just started crying like a normal baby. I looked over and was just in awe that he was a perfectly beautiful baby in every way possible um, outside of his large head size. And I just wept. I was so thankful that we had actually made it to that day, but I had no idea what the next couple of days, or weeks, or months were going to look like um, because we were told we had a long road ahead of us.
0: Um, can I can he, I jump in there real quick, Jess? Be, and be, before we, we start going into the, that long road, the one thing that I want to point out to those that are that are watching and those that are, are listening is in your memoir, in in your book. One of the, I guess, highlights for me—the the thing that I really enjoyed—is you include actual journal entries um, from from your journal. So as you're sharing your story, um, we're also getting to a peek into what you were actually thinking, what you were praying. Um, you know, you just take the reader through the ups and through the downs during that pregnancy, and. Um, I guess the first question I want to ask is, how did the doctors respond when you told them, you know what, we're keeping this baby? Um, she was extremely cold. Uh, she was an older woman, um, and I kind of detailed that a little bit in the memoir as well. Um, as I laid there my thought process, um, she was very distant towards me,
1: uh, almost refusing to make me a person even. Um, and just very matter of fact about it. Uh, these babies often have a way of taking care of themselves, and you would be doing this child a favor if you would just take care of it and start over. You're a young girl, and you shouldn't have any problems getting pregnant again. And we, um, I don't even know that I told her in that moment. I honestly can't remember. It wasn't even an option in my mind. I um, would would never abort a child. Um, no matter what the prognosis was. So I think I may have just um, uh, took in her information, knowing in my own mind, well, that's not an option, and we went home and proceeded with the pregnancy. So I'm not even sure that that was a conversation that took place at that time because it
0: wasn't an option to me. Okay. Yeah, wow. Well, um, yeah, I I commend your faith, and I I enjoyed you know, as I was reading the, the, the journey and you're praying praying for, for a miracle um, throughout that, just like everybody would, like um, we all we all do. And one of the things that, that I bring out in my book, 41 Will Come, is sometimes our 41 doesn't look the way we think it will. Sometimes 41 doesn't come, so to speak. So you did not receive the miracle of having... A completely normal child, but what I love today is, as on your journey, has presented so many God moments. So I guess I will um, let you. uh, Want you just jump in and continue the story, then. So, so Lucas was born, and you looked and saw this this beautiful baby, and and praise the Lord, what a blessing that. um, Man, I don't know. I just was. um, I I was cheering you on throughout the whole book. Yeah.
1: yeah, so he was born. He had brain surgery at three days old. They put a shunt in him. And two weeks later, on August 30, of 2004, they handed us our baby and uh, kicked us out of the hospital. <laughs> like, um, here's this baby you told us would never be born, and now you're sending us home with him. Like, wow. that's fantastic. And we yep. were elated to go home with this baby. But we had no idea the difficulties that... Um, would present as soon as we got home we had no idea how difficult it was going to be to raise um, this very medically fragile child Um, due to his head size I was terrified that he would suffocate in the middle of the night because even as you know normal babies progress they start to have some control of their their heads but due to how large his head was that didn't happen till I think probably three years old did he have like really good control of his head so um, most nights I was just looking over his bassinet or his crib he slept in our room for far past what a normal baby would sleep in their parents room um, just so that I could look at him all night long to make sure that he wasn't suffocating Um, because if he somehow managed to flip or get his head caught in that mattress I don't think that he could have lifted his head back up. So um, it was just months of absolute exhaustion. Um, on top of raising a two year old, building a house, um, Jason's fitness center was taking off. So he was gone most of the time and we tried to prioritize his sleep at least so that he could function running a business. So um, honestly, those, those years were just kind of a haze. And then um, in 2006, we decided to get pregnant again. And um, we did have a, a little baby girl in February of 2007, and that's when we started noticing that Jason was also having a lot of um, health problems, um, just being disoriented. His, he was having vision problems um, and just a lot of weakness and exhaustion. and just wondering if stress was playing into all of that, you know, with everything going on with Luke and the two year old and now another baby, or if there was something bigger at play. So he began going to specialist appointments and specialist after specialist just kept saying he had type one diabetes, which was so odd. He didn't have a history with this. Again, being a personal trainer and a tennis professional and a fitness um, center uh, owner, um, he was the epitome of health. He ate correctly, he exercised every day, and um, he just acquired type one diabetes out of the blue, which was really odd. And they just kept saying to him, you just need to get your diabetes under control. And he was doing everything correctly, but the symptoms were not improving at all. So, um, one night, I believe Mabel was around four or five months old, she was our little girl, I turned to Jason and I said, I just have to quick run to my dad's house. Uh, are, do you feel okay to watch the, the kids for like an hour or so? And he said, yeah, I'm good. So I got in my car, drove to my dad's house, uh, pulled into his driveway, and my phone rang. And I picked it up, and Jason said, "Just call 911, click. The phone went dead. And mm. I panicked. I ran into my dad's house. I said, Dad... Jason just called. He told me to call 911. Something went, went down at the house. We have to get back to the house quickly. So we rushed back to the house. There were cop cars and an ambulance. And I run inside and Jason is laid out on a stretcher, um, passed out at this point, unconscious. he said, um, we're just going to run an MRI to rule out a potential brain tumor. And everything just clicked in that moment. Um, all the disorientation, the vision problems, the, the sweating, the exhaustion, and I just knew in that moment he had a brain tumor. And he did. Uh, they ran the test and it came back a baseball side brain tumor. Um, so he was immediately transported to a different hospital, had uh, brain surgery the following morning, and um, was a new man, like immediately, and uh, they did a biopsy, and it came back. um, It wasn't terminal at that point. It was just a stage two brain tumor, and they said, you have the option to just watch and wait if you want. We can do uh, quarterly MRIs just to keep tabs on what's going on. They said sometimes these brain tumors don't return for 20 years, sometimes they return in a year or two. Um, but we don't have to do anything at this point if you don't want to. So that was the option we chose, just thinking, you know, we've been through enough, um, God isn't going to test us anymore, our faith is strong, and we probably won't ever have to deal with this again. Hmm. Um, but that wasn't the case. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of dates here. 2009, um, we unexpectedly get pregnant again in the midst of um, Jason feeling good for about a year and a half. And we weren't planning on that pregnancy. We had kind of talked about a fourth child um, going back and forth with should we do it, should we not. We have a lot on our plates. I always kind of had this vision of being a mom of four and actually this vision of three boys and one girl. And um, so God knew what he was doing. Uh, He just made it happen because if we would have waited for our Uh, perfect timing, we would have never had a fourth child Um, so I find myself unexpectedly pregnant and Jason is picking up odd jobs here and there, Um, the economy kind of bottomed out in Michigan during this period as it did around the country and he lost ownership of his fitness club and so he's uh, doing some substitute teaching and working at a holistic doctor's office and just trying to make money wherever he can and I'm teaching part time and just trying to maintain our household And I get a call one day. He was on his lunch break, and um, he had gone in for his quarterly MRI appointment. Um, And I get a call. just the tumor's back. I have to check myself into ER immediately. Very annoyed with the whole process um, Mm -hmm. that he had to deal with this again so so quickly after the first tumor. So that began me trying to scramble to figure out who's going to watch my kids. At this point, um, I'm pregnant and we have a two-year-old Mabel, four-year-old Luke, six-year-old Caleb. Wow. People are very eager and willing to take Caleb and Mabel. They're a little more hesitant about taking Luke because of his profound special needs and just not being real aware of what he needs. So it's me scrambling who's going to take my kids, um, because obviously, you know, his, Jason's mom wants to be there in the hospital, so I can't rely on the grandparents for this, and I want to be with Jason, but yet I want to be home with my kids. And it's just a nightmare. So he, um, checks himself in. He has brain surgery again the next morning. They take out another uh, baseball sized tumor and, um, his mom and I are awaiting the results of the biopsy again, um, sitting side by side as Jason's recovering in his hospital bed and the doctor walks in and, um, we both look up and he says, I'm very sorry to have to tell you this, but we received a biopsy result. It's a stage four glioblastoma. Wow. And at that point, I had done enough research on brain tumors to know what that diagnosis meant. Um, that was a life expectancy of about 14 months. Wow. And I just remember um, big pregnant belly just... Um, <sighs> putting my head between my legs and just weeping, weeping for my children, weeping for my unborn child, not even sure that this unborn child would ever have the opportunity to meet his or her father at this point, Um, weeping for Jason's mother sitting beside me and for him, um, his life cut so short in my mind. And um, that just began the next leg of the journey. Uh, We didn't have the option to watch and wait at this point he began chemo and radiation almost immediately and um did really well um he continued working um up until uh almost the very end of his life about two weeks before he passed away um and his body just continued to deteriorate um to the point where he was just skin and bones and the doctor said it's your call whether we continue treatments at this point Mm. um and I knew Jason would want to go out fighting. Um, he was a fighter in every sense of the word. He loved Braveheart and Gladiator and a lot of uh, yeah. different parts in your book actually made me smile because I, I could see him writing something like that. Um, just very strong and passionate and um, a spiritual fighter in every sense of the word. And, but I also looked at him and realized that at a certain point um, he wasn't capable of making those decisions anymore and I felt like I would have been um, bringing him death pills at that point and I just wanted him to live out um, his final weeks in peace and not have chemo continue to ravage his body. Um, so we brought in hospice and that was just the most uh, difficult decision of my life, I think, to stop treatment and admit that we are at the end And Jason wanted to die at home. He wanted to be at home through it all, and he actually wanted me to take care of him. Um, And I tried to honor that in those final weeks, even with the four kids. Um, And he passed away on August 24, 2010. Um, And baby Joshua, we had a baby in the midst of that, too. Um, And he turned, um, Joshua (sighs) turned one a month after his dad died.
0: Joshua turned one... Um, A month after Jason Jason passed away, and I just want to jump in one one more time, and just um, for those that are just joining us, I am talking with Jess Ronnie. She is the author of a memoir entitled, Sunlight Burning at Midnight, and right now she is sharing her story, part of her story. There is another part to the story that she's going to share, so we have about six minutes or so left but um, again I want to bring up to to those listening if you grab this book you you get to you get a peek inside what Jess was was thinking what she was going through what scriptures she was quoting and reading what prayers she was praying as she as she fought through this this battle of of having four children and a husband who was dying and and, and did die, and um, so again, Jess, thanks for taking time to, to, to share. I'll let you continue. Okay,
1: um, you said six minutes, so mm-hmm. <laughs> make it make it a little faster. <laughs> huh? um, no, you're fine. Uh, so yes, Jason passed away August twenty. 20-
0: All right, those of you that are are watching live, sometimes we're dealing with technology. When you're not live, we have the option, and I should say we have the um, ability to to edit live, but um, we lost the phone call, so we're going to try to get Jess back on the line here so she can continue um, sharing her story, and I do want you to know it does have um, a, a God kind of ending, even though she had went through losing a husband. I just love Romans 8:28 that God works good for those who love him and been called according to his purpose. And, um, that's exactly what, what God did and has done in Jess's life. So we'll get her back on the phone here. So um, while we're while we're trying to get her back on the line, I do want to um, encourage you to grab grab this book. Again, it's sunlight burning at midnight. I, I think I read it in a couple days. Just couldn't put it down. Reading her story, reading her journal entries, and and um, what man what she was praying, what she was thinking, and um, um, just love that. Not only is is it heartbreaking, but it's filled with hope. And if you're going through a difficult season right now, some of you watching or listening are a season of of loss or a season of sorrow and grieving, or maybe you're in a battle and maybe you just received some bad news and you have no idea how you're going to to make it through. you know, Jess is living proof that if you continue to run to the rescuer, God will see you through. So, um, I believe we have her back on the line. Um, are you there, Jess? I
1: am. Uh, I'm not sure what happened, but if something can go wrong, wrong
0: today, it's going to. So, yeah, no, I was just talking about the book while we tried to get you back. So, um, oh, okay. welcome. <laughs> oh, no, you're fine. Welcome back and, and, um, go ahead and then, and then take us, um, take us the rest of the way. Okay, so
1: Halloween night, um. I, I loaded up the kids, we went trick-or-treating, and I brought them back home full of candy and put them to bed and um, checked my care pages journal, and there was a woman who had consistently followed me throughout um, this three-year process, a stranger in Pennsylvania, and she had left a little comment on my blog just saying, I don't have any right to even say this, and I have no idea why I'm asking you to do this, but I just feel like God wants me to tell you to check out this guy's blog. Um, He lives in Oklahoma. He lost his wife to brain cancer four days after Jason died, and I just think that you could be an encouragement to him. So that night I searched around uh, for his blog and couldn't find it and just kind of gave up. And then the next day decided to write her a little message just saying, hey, I looked for that guy's blog, but I couldn't find it um, on Care Pages. And she said, oh, it's not on Care Pages. It's an actual blog. And she gave me the link, and I went to it and saw... um, Ryan Ronnie, this widower in Oklahoma um, who was grieving the death of his wife, and he had three young children, uh, Tate, Maya, and Jada, uh, six, four, and a baby, I believe, um, and I just left a little comment on his blog saying, hey, I, I know what you're going through. If you ever want to talk to somebody or email, feel free to reach out, and maybe we can help each other out somehow and he responded immediately and long story short uh, we began emailing daily which turned into phone calls which turned into a meeting in savannah georgia a couple months later where it was love at first sight and we were married in april 2011. Um, he moved to michigan and we ended up adopting each other's children to make it a big family of nine and a couple years into our marriage together, we decided to pursue our dream of a simple life, um, which would be living in, we kind of had this idea of Colorado or Tennessee. Um, and we did a search on Google for houses and there was only one house that came up with our criteria and our price range. And it was this big old house on the Tennessee river that had been abandoned for 15 years. Um, so we prayed about it for a year and watched the price just continue to drop. And, um, and we decided kind of on a whim to go check it out and we drove down we checked it out we literally stepped onto the property and said yeah this is it this is where we're going to move our family uh completely naive about the the schools or the special needs resources or anything just felt like it was a god thing and that's just kind of how we've we've done life it's how i've done life at least um when i feel god say go i just go and um all
0: up in 2013, and we've been living here ever since. Wow. Well, I just, I just love. In fact, when I was, when I was reading the book, and and you share when you received the message uh, about about Ryan and about his blog, and I was just like, no way! Oh my goodness! Right.
1: I, <laughs> I'm like, I,
0: was too. <laughs> I just love this, that. Was, this was easy. I didn't even have to get on a dating site or anything. I just love how God works, and it just goes to, 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 to prove that God always sets things in motion. There are things going on behind the scenes that we don't see, and I just hope that encourages those that are listening today that no matter where they're at, no matter what they're encountering, no matter what kind of season they're walking through, God is sovereign. He is moving. There are divine appointments and divine moments in the future if we will just trust. And that's what I was encouraged in reading your memoir is that you stood, you, you held on, you stood strong. It wasn't easy, but you, you trusted God. Um, you, like everyone else, we, we, we go through the seasons of sadness and we're times where we're angry and we have questions and all those things, but ultimately you, you didn't walk away from God, and I just love that God brought you and Ryan together. What a story of hope now for others. And then you also had a child of your own together. We did. Um, we thought we weren't busy enough. So, yeah, in 2015, <laughs> we had little Annabelle. She is now three years old and a total joy to our family. and. And, um, and a total joy yeah. to those that follow you on Instagram and see all the little cute pictures of her and and. Right. um, <laughs> She's the only one who doesn't
1: have an issue with me taking her picture. <laughs> so, you, you get a lot of Annabelle if you follow me.
0: <laughs> well, um, why don't I want to close in prayer? I'm going to pray for those that are that are listening today, just to encourage them, but um, be. Before I do, you do have uh, you d- have begun an organization called the Lucas Project. Do you want to tell us briefly about that? And then to also tell our listeners how they can follow you on social media, how they can connect with you. Okay. Yeah. Um, I knew from the
1: day Luke was born that I somehow wanted to do something in his honor someday. And until recently didn't really understand what that would entail um, until we moved to rural America and re- we realized that the resources here were so limited so we began the Lucas project which began as a nonprofit organization to help special needs children and their parents but it has evolved more um, as I've seen the need for the parents and the caretakers of special needs children um, so often they need respite opportunities that rural environments just can't provide, or gas cards to get these kids to and from their, their medical appointments or their therapy appointments, or even just meals if their child ends up in the hospital, um, and just uh, just really notice that big void in our rural um, area for needs for these caretakers and parents of special needs kids. Um, and then in terms of um, finding me, I'm kind of all over the place. I write a blog at justplusthemess.com. I'm on Facebook, JustPlusTheMess, Instagram, JustPlusTheMess. Um, I also have a YouTube channel, JustPlusTheMess, that's just kind of getting off the ground where I do um, kind of goofy, very amateurish uh, baking tutorials. Um, but you'll get to see all the mess in those. And I think that's it. I'm not on Twitter. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, I'm on
1: Pinterest as well, Jess. <laughs>
0: Plus Well, thank you so much for 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 being on. We're honored that you would come and share your story. I'm I'm going to pray. All right? All right. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Father, we just thank you so much for Jess and her story and her willingness to share her story with the world and I thank you for all the lives that already been impacted, encouraged, inspired and touched by those who have already read her memoir. We thank you in advance for the divine appointments of getting her book into the hands of the right people who, will, who have yet to read her story. I pray specifically for those watching and listening today that are in a season of loss or suffering. Or, And I just thank you, Jesus, that you sustain us and we choose to put our hope in you, run to you. When we run to you, we're running to the rescuer. And your word tells us in Psalm 34, 18, that you're close to the brokenhearted. You rescue those whose spirits are crushed. And we just give you, um, we give you praise. We thank you, God, for what you've done in Jess's life and and in Ryan's life and their, their family, their wonderful family. We ask you to bless them, bless everyone listening today, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Jess. Uh, my guest has, has been Jess Ronnie. She's the author of Sunlight Burning at Midnight. So for our producer, Mike Sable, I'm Chuck Tate. We will see you next time on 41 Strong.